Hiya, folks. It's that time again. It's the holiday season, and that means your gift under the tree is a compilation of all our fun skits from the past year. That music comes courtesy of Mew, M-Y-U-U. If you're someone like me who has a bit of a twisted sense of humor, you might love Mew's particular twist. He does these dark renditions of holiday music, and he gets bonus points for the image on the YouTube video for this song. It shows these little kids on a snowy road who look like maybe they're part of a Christmas pageant or something. One of them is dressed as an angel, and they're staring at a collapsed Santa with a bloody trail in the snow. I mean, that's a fresh take on the holiday spirit. <laughs> anyway, thank you to Mew for the music for this episode. We've got all the skits from 2021 for you today, a full-on audio drama for our finale. And oh yeah, something new tossed in there for an extra treat. I'm B.T. Newberg, and this is the history of sex. <laughs> The History of Sex is sponsored by Dr. Jillian Kenny, historian of women, sex, and magic in medieval Europe. So, uh, 2021, uh, folks, what can I say? Well, uh, at least it wasn't as bad as 2020. <laughs> I mean, the pandemic still sucks and things are anything but back to normal. But actually, it was a pretty decent year for us as a show with some significant milestones that I'd like to run down today. So first, we broke 100,000 downloads this year. That's pretty cool. Thank you, listeners, for helping this show to get there. And we celebrated in August with a little bit of peeling back of the curtain. I talked about my own personal gender and sexuality in our episode, The Sex and Gender of Yours Truly. And second... We've reached a point in the show now where we've got two different major publishing houses reaching out to ask the show to interview their authors. I don't mean that we ask them. I mean they come to us and ask us. That's pretty surprising. This year we had James Rom, who talked to us about the Sacred Band of Thebes, an elite army comprised entirely of gay male lovers, and Jen Winston, who talked to us about their bisexuality. And last year, we also had Lisa Selen Davis, who talked to us about Tomboys, and we've got more lined up for next year. And all of those are from major publishing houses who came to us. That feels good. Third, I was invited to speak at the Intelligent Speech Conference this year, which connects audiences and creators, whether they're podcasters, YouTubers, or what have you. I spoke on a panel called Victorian Vice, later expanded into an episode on our show uh, called Victorian Secret, Vice in the Victorian Era. And at the conference, I met Nia Clark of the Dreams of Black Wall Street podcast, chronicling the Tulsa Massacre, and much more. Let me tell you, folks, she's an amazing woman with a podcast that I highly recommend. 
And I also, at the conference, got to talk to a number of you folks as well, which was a real treat. And speaking of you, we continue to gain patrons on our Patreon, and that does help a lot. I would say that it is my single biggest motivator to keep going because, I mean, it's just gratifying to talk directly with listeners and to hear your feedback and your ideas for your portraits and then to draw your faces in the quirkiest compositions. I love the ideas you guys come up with. For example, this year, I got to draw patron Angus Keen as a modern Viking with Molotov cocktail. <laughs> I got to draw James Schrader as a Viking noble with an adder crawling around his neck. Shout out to his significant other patron, Catherine Schrader, for setting that one up. I got to draw Leo the One-Eyed Cat as a Chinese pirate. Thank you, Stuart M. That was a fun one. I drew author Verb Washington as a Civil War soldier in the all-black 5th Regiment of the USCT. That was set up by Verb's own daughter, patron Veronica C.R. Washington Ramos, whose write-ins I always enjoy. And I drew Shelley Botts as an 18th century henwife, which is one of those female roles traditionally associated with magic. I didn't know about it before, so thank you, Shelley, for introducing me to that. And last but not least... For patron Shannon Kitzel, I drew her significant other, Zaya, as an Assyrian feather-robed archer. Very cool. <laughs> Folks, you can see all of those portraits on the supporters page of our website at historyofsexpod.com, and you can write to me at btnewberg at gmail.com. I always love to hear from you. And if you would like to get your own hand-drawn portrait done, just sign up as a patron on our Patreon. You can get there from our website. I really do enjoy doing them, so keep them coming. <laughs> Currently on the show, we are boots deep in our Sex in the Wild West series, and I'm having a blast with that one. We will be taking a break after it concludes, though, because, well, real life. I uh, got a new job this year working in the environmental sector now, and I also have a side gig as a research going now, too. And basically, I just can't keep up the same schedule as before. Plus, I have ambitions to break into doing some new cultures that we haven't done before. Like, I want to do Samurai Japan, for example, or the Mongols, or the Empire of Mali. But, you see, breaking into new cultures like that actually takes a really long time to research, especially for a topic like sex and gender, which is so very easy to misconstrue when it's a culture that is not your own. And so it just takes time to really get that right. And if there is one thing that I have tried to deliver on this show, above all else, it's quality. So I'm definitely going for quality over quantity. So yeah, we will be taking a break for a while once the series concludes. But don't worry, we've got several more episodes coming in our Sex of the Wild West series, so you can look forward to those. And we've got some more interviews and showcases lined up as well. Your stockings will be stuffed this year, folks. Happy holidays to you. All right, with no further ado, let's get to our funny skits from this last year. So this first skit comes from that Victorian Vice episode, Victorian Secret, where we learned that folks in 19th century Britain were all a fluster at a supposed spike in unwed motherhood, which actually turned out to be a statistical illusion. Actually, the rate of unwed motherhood was going down. But you see, the explosion of urban population created a concentration of these highly visible 
unwed mothers in the cities. Meanwhile, weddings were just not affordable anymore for many people of the industrial working poor, and so they tended to cohabitate instead. It's the same thing as marriage, just without official blessings of the church. But that didn't stop the monocles from popping right out in shock and great consternation. Uh, Mr. Holmes, Sherlock, come quick. Please help me, sir. I've got nowhere else to go. This woman, she's big with child. She needs our help. Indubitably, Miss Watson. A crime. Not really a crime. And I have already solved it. But that's not the help that she... Observe, Miss Watson, for I have all the facts before me. It is elementary. Okay, here we go. We may deduce from the rising rate of illegitimacy... It's actually going down. And the fact that the victim was clearly prostituting herself... Uh, cohabitating. Scorning the fine institution of Christian marriage... Because they can't afford it. We may therefore conclude that the perpetrator of the crime was... Was her? It... You were going to say it was her, weren't you? It... No, dear Miss Watson. Uh-huh. The, right. the perpetrator was none other than... Come on, dear. Let's get you something to eat. Uh, yes, well, but... Hello? Teach her some needlework. She can learn a trade, you know. Right. Other case closed. Yes, the Victorians took great offense at unwed mothers, but perhaps not as much offense as Viking Age Scandinavians took at the men who dared to venture into sorcery in that day and age. Because, as we saw in our episode, Male Witches, in Viking culture, sorcery was a woman's art, and males who dabbled in it were essentially gender benders, and they were reviled as a result. Which leads us to the awkward mashup of medieval and modern sensibilities in this skit of Ravaging Raiders. Uh, Don't you love the smell of monasteries burning in the morning? Yep, well, that is definitely one of my favorite smells. Uh, I I was thinking that maybe we should review the raiding party's harassment policy. Yep, what? Well, it's just that some of the raiders feel that... uh, Oh, wait, is this about that Eric, uh, that witch? I I, I mean, sorcerer. It's a politically correct term now, isn't it, sorcerer? Well, we all probably could use a refresher on workplace conduct. Yeah, well, I suppose you're right. I don't want anyone in my raiding party to be uncomfortable. Ah! 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 If one of my crewmen feels... Uh, crew folk, sir. Uh, some of them are shield maidens. Ah, uh, right, right. Crew folk, crew folk. If any of my crew folk are feeling uncomfortable, I want to know about it. Let it be known from the shores of the Rus to the Isle of Iceland that I, Bjorn Steeliguts, am an equal opportunity employer. Very good, sir. I'll schedule a meeting. Uh, Mr. Steeliguts, sir, I was hoping I could have a word with you. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, who, who are you again? I, I'm half done. The Christian. Oh, no, no, no way. No, no, no chance. Faithor's no. hammer key. Get lost. No, not a chance. <laughs> it wasn't just male witches, though, but also warrior women who defied the norm in the Viking Age. Women who took up arms were surprisingly common, and we actually only get their stories because they were written down by Christian monks in neighboring cultures who thought it was oh-so-barbaric to actually let women fight. Well, thank the gods that they did write them down, because some of those stories are awesome. <laughs> 
and we'll have one of those stories coming up in glorious detail at the end of this episode. But first, a word from our sponsor, Aggressive Insurance. Hey, all shield maiden. Welcome to Aggressive Insurance. I am Fro. Fro? Yeah, Fro from Aggressive Insurance. Ah, you're like the... Right, I get it. Yeah, did you find your rating insurance policy okay? I did. I saved over 300 silver pieces in a Saxon slave. We have a savings of over 300 silver pieces and a Saxon slave. 300 silver pieces and a Saxon slave. You know, that comes with a free dismemberment policy. You mean accidental death and dismemberment policy. No, I mean dismemberment. Do you do a lot of dismembering? I do. Well, it's free of charge. Wow. Wow, I know. I say it louder. Have a great day. Lots of extra features that don't cost you extra. Now that's aggressive. Call or send a runestone today. Okay, so fast forward now to a completely different age of wild and woolly savagery, the Wild West, where cowboys roped steers, gambled at cards, and slept out under the stars, or in bunkhouses where, as we learned in our episode, the myth of the manly cowboy, they would often sleep together in pairs to keep warm, and these bedtime buddies were called bunkies. Now, some of these men may well have been lovers, but most were probably just platonic friends, relics of an age from before the invention of the concept of heterosexuality and the kind of strict boundary-keeping that we see today between categories of sexual identity. They just didn't think about it that way back then. Still, that doesn't stop those of us with dirty minds from relishing in the sexual ambiguity of these chummy-chum-chums. This message is brought to you by the letter C. Hey, Bert. Bert, are you awake? Hey, Bert. Bert! What? What? <laughs> Where am I? We're in the bunkhouse, remember? We're bunkies out on the range. Oh, yeah, Ernie. I, I just drove the herd 25 miles. I need my sleep. Oh, sorry, Bert. Good night. Good night, Ernie. Hey, Bert. What? Do you think we'll ever get married? You know, settle down. Become real men. Do you think we'll ever do that, Bert? I don't know, Ernie. Hey, Bert. What? Do you think I'm a loner? Loners are ace high. Ace high. First class. Respected. Sure, Ernie. You're a loner. You're the lonerest loner there ever was. You're the lone ranger. Now go to sleep. See, I don't think I am a loner. You know why, Bert? Because you're my friend. And I don't mind if I'm not ace high, because I have a friend. And you know what that makes me want to do, Bert? It makes you want to go to sleep? No, Bert. It makes me want to play my harmonica! But the Wild West wasn't just a place for men. It was also a place for women. As we learned in our episode, Go West, Young Woman, although it was a rough place and men were initially the ones who ventured west the most, women also ventured west. And the very fact that they were rare 
gave them power. See, their skills were in high demand, and that empowered them to make demands, leading to a surprisingly progressive atmosphere on the frontier, where in several territories, women actually won the right to vote a good 50 years ahead of the rest of the country. What was that like, huh? Warning, these photographs contain adult content not suitable for children or anyone not white and male. Now, you could party with the wildest girls ever caught on tintype photography. Girls Gone Wild West. These are not hired actors or paid performers. We captured real girls divorcing, driving oxen, performing cattle work, claiming homesteads, and opening businesses. They're uninhibited, uncensored, and unrepentant. What happens when girls go on spring break in Wyoming? They cast ballots. Watch them tick the bubble for their favorite candidates. Tick it off! These photographs are not sold in stores and can't be shown in respectable company back east. Oh my. Even if you could get to the Western Territories, you'd never find all this action for only 19.95 cents. Call 1-800-249-WEST at your local telegraph office. Unleash Girls Gone Wild West and watch what good girls do when they go wild. They vote! Giddy up, darling. Woo! You know, folks, 2021 was a bit of a bleak year. But you know, there was one shining beacon of light this year. What was it? The vaccine? Well, yeah, that wasn't bad. But even better was a movie that came out that took my breath away. Oh yeah, that one. Trump, I hope that was your stomach. Denis Villeneuve's adaptation of the classic story of a group of young misfits who discover a treasure map. Come on, guys. This is our time. And set out to find the lost gold of legendary pirate One-Eyed Willie. Rocky Road? Goon. <laughs> But the worst thing I ever done, the bought his fake puke at home, and then I went to this movie theater, and then I dumped it over the side, oh, and all the people in the audience. This is ridiculous. It's crazy. I feel like I'm babysitting, except I'm not getting paid. I'm sorry, folks. I couldn't help myself. Anyway, there's your brand new content. Never before heard and probably never should be again. Uh, seriously, though, fantastic movie. All right, let's get back to history. We've got one more for you, and this one's the biggest and baddest of all. It's not even a skit, really, but a full-on audio drama. Book-ending our episode on Viking shield maidens or warrior women was a dramatic portrayal of the saga of one shield maiden, Hervar. Folks, this is what I mean when I say that we focus on quality, not quantity here. I mean, what other show gives you this level of investment in audio experience? And it's not like we have some massive sound engineer team. It's just little old me here. But you know, once I get a bug to do something, I just can't help myself. And so, to finish out this compilation, here is an audio drama presentation of Hervar's saga, 
a 13th century telling of a tale much, much older. And in this tale, the maiden Harivar learns of her birthright, a magical but cursed blade called Tyrfing, buried in the mound of her true father, and she takes up arms as a Viking in order to claim this terrible blade for herself. In those days there was a girl called Harvar, fostered by the local Jarl or Lord. Harvar was unlike other girls, for she loved hunting and fighting and all things manly. Out of my way, she barked, shoving aside a slave with the poor fortune of standing in her path. Then the slave said to her, Your only wish is to the devil, Harvar, and an evil is to be expected from you. The Jarl forbids everyone to speak to you of your parentage, because he's ashamed that you should know of it. For the basest serf lay with his daughter, you are their child. Harvar, surf spawn. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Herva was enraged at these words, and she went at once to her foster father, the Jarl, and said to him, Little could I glory in my lofty name, though Frothmar's favor was found by my mother. I thought I had a hero for a father. But now I am told that he tended the swine. The Jarl answered, Oh, a lie has been told you with little substance. High among heroes men held your father. Angantyr's hall with earth sprinkled stands on Samsu's southern border. It's true. Yes. Then Harvar was filled with longing to reclaim the heritage of her true lineage and all her rightful inheritance, including a certain sword imbued with powerful magic. And so she bound up her hair like a man and demanded a cloak and kirtle of armor and said to her foster mother, As quick as you can, equip me in all ways, wisest of women, as you would your son. Dreams has told me the truth only. No contentment shall I taste here now. Then she took up the masculine form of her name, Hervard, went raiding as a Viking, and gathered followers till at last she set sail for the island where lay the burial mound of her dead father, Angantyr, whose corpse guards the magical blade, Turfing, which unbeknownst to her is cursed to doom its wielder. Once the girl Harvar had become a great Viking raider, captaining a ship with men under her command. At last she felt ready to face the ghost of her true father, Anguntir. Buried he lay on the Isle of Samso, site of a great battle wherein he and his berserkers had fallen. And with him was buried the magical blade, Turfing. Now... This blade, it was said, could cut through anything like cloth, and every blow struck dealt death. The thought of it set Harvar's heart ablaze, and so she sailed to claim as her birthright this mighty weapon, which unbeknownst to her is cursed, to bring doom upon its wielder. 
they approach the isle at dusk, the men glimpse the many burial mounds of warriors fallen in battle there and take to fear, refusing to go ashore. Nope. Mm -mm. Yeah, we're good here. We'll mind the boats. Somebody has to count the oars. <sighs> and so Havard alone lands upon the shore of the Isle of the Dead, chill waves lapping at her heels in an eerie silence affronting her ears. A shepherd, chancing by, warns her to turn back. Fool, I call him who fares onward. But she presses on. Amidst the maze of barrows, she glimpses above one fire, burning mysteriously. According to Viking lore, a sign of treasure buried below. Then, standing at the foot of the mound, she raised her arms and spoke. Wake, Anguntia. Wakes you, Herver. Swatha's offspring, your only daughter. The keen-edged blade from the barrow, give me. The sword dwarf-smithied for Sigalami. And brazenly she calls upon the names of the slain. Hervard, Hjorvard, Hrani Anguntir, from the roots of the tree I arouse you all. With helm and corslet, keen-edged weapon, gear and buckler and graven spear. All but to dust have Angrim's children, men of evil in the mound, been turned. If of Ephora's son, no single one to me will speak in Munafar. May it seem to you all within your ribs, as if in mound of maggots you moulded away if you fetch not the sword forged by Tvalin. It becomes not ghosts costly arms to bear. Then Anguntir answered her, Why do you hail me, Eva, daughter? To your doom you are faring filled with evil. Mad you are now, your mind darkened when with its wandering you wake the dead. No father or kinsman in Cairn laid me. They kept tearfing the two survivors. One alone did wield it after. But she was not fooled. You give me a lie. May the god let you rest whole in your how if you're not holding Turfing with you. Unwilling you are to give the heirloom to your only child. Then the barrow opened, and it was as if the whole mound were fire and flame. Hell's gate is lifted, howls are opening. The aisles poured a blaze before you. Grim outside now to gaze around you. To your ships if you can, quick now, maiden. But she answered, No blaze can you light burning in darkness that your funeral fire should with fear daunt me. Unmoved shall remain the maiden spirit, though she gaze on a ghost in the grave door standing. I tell you, have I hear my words out what shall come to pass, prince's daughter. Trust what I tell you. Tiafing daughter shall be ruin and end of all your family. You shall bear offspring who in after days shall wield Turfing and trust in his strength. By the name Hatherick, known to the people, born the strongest beneath the sun's garden. A human indeed I was held to be ere I came hither your hall seeking. Hater of mail coats from the mound, give me! Pair of the buckler's bane of Yalmar. <sighs> beneath my back is laid the bane of Yalmar. All around it, enwrapped with fire, 
in the wild walking, no woman, no eye who would dare in her hand hold this sword. I will guard it and grasp it in hand. The keen-edged sword can I but obtain it. No fear have I of the fire burning. The flame grows less as I look towards it. Fool you are, Hilda, and your heart's daring, with eyes open to enter the fire. The blade from the barrow I will bring, rather. Oh, young maiden, I may not refuse you. And he produced the magical blade and placed it in her hands. <sighs> yes. Son of warriors, you, you do well in this blade to me from the barrow yielding. King to keep it, I count it dearer than were all of Norway beneath my hand. You see it not? You're in speech a cursed woman of evil. Why, you're rejoicing. Trust what I tell you. Tearfing daughter shall be ruin and end of all your family. I will, I will go my way to the wave horses. Chieftain's daughter, cheerful hearted. I, I care not at all, O king's companion, how my son shall strive hereafter. <laughs> you shall keep Tearfing with contentment long. The bane of Yalmar and hiding keep touch not the edges. In each is poison, worse than deadly doom-bringer to men. Farewell, daughter. Fain would I give you twelve heroes' lives. Trust what I tell you, the goodly strength and strong endurance that Armgrim's sons left after them. May you all lie unharmed in the howl resting. The hasten hence my heart urges, I seem to myself to be set between worlds, when all about me burnt the can fires. Then the ghost of her father dissolved to mist, and the barrow closed once more, and she was left in silence. But glinting in the moonlight was the blade of her birthright, which she had won through bold deeds and courage. All right, that's it for today, folks. Once again, thank you to Mew for the dark holiday music for this episode. Check him out on YouTube. I'll see you next time. We've got more Sex in the Wild West episodes coming for you, and I will see you in 2022. Podcast theme music mixed from tracks by Kevin McLeod. For additional credits, references, photos, and more, see our website at www.historyofsexpod.com.